0: Thank you. everyone, welcome to the Imaginal Space Podcast. My name is Katherine Perry and I'm really excited to be sharing space with you. Thank you so, so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here, whether you've listened before or this is your first time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So on every episode of the Imaginal Space Podcast, we take a look at an aura and I just do an aura reading and we see, you know, whatever love, whatever healing comes through, But before we do that, I like to take a couple of deep breaths and then take a couple of moments in silence just so you can set the space with whatever your intention is. You know, you can focus on, you know, who or what you want to share space with. If you want to share space with yourself, you know, do you want to focus on what you're calling in, what you're releasing, all that good stuff that is for the This next moment, and if you want to, you can also just pause because I take like three breaths since I do this all the time and then I'm done. So if you want longer, just pause and then hit play and we'll get started. Okay. So let's look at the aura and what we've got. So if you're new, usually when I look at the aura, it's described by six different archetype cards, sometimes eight. Um, This one might be an eight. We'll see. Um, I have six here and then I have two aside that kind of jumped out because sometimes that happens. Sometimes when you're shuffling, um, if you've ever worked with like decks, or you know what, even if you have just like shuffled a card deck, sometimes they just fly out and those can have a message. So I like to pay attention to those too. But we're going to actually start, usually I start with like one card. Um, Today we're going to start with a pair. So we have the vow and the vision because for whatever reason, their message seems to be coming through together. So the vow is the sacred contracts card. So if you're anything sim- like me, um one of the poll, one of the things that really attracted me about, you know, looking at mystical studies and, you know, all this kind of stuff, I am a huge fan of relationship. And I love looking at relationships, you know, that explains a lot about how I interpret the aura. You know, it's one big it's The aura, you can read more about this on my blog, but it's a way to take a peek at different relationships and then also to develop relationships. So I am all about relationships and that's what the vow is. The vow is, you know, your sacred contract. So if you've ever heard of like soulmates, twin flames, that's like just one example, one manifestation of the vow. And So you can look at the vow in a couple of ways, actually. There's, you know, the vows, the sacred contracts you have with other people. So like I said, soulmates, twin flames, you know, other kinds of contracts. I've been really, really into looking at the contracts with my spirit babies. So that's just another kind of relationship. But the vow on the whole is all about relationship. But what's very, very interesting about that that's coming in, you know, with the vow and the vision is that, yes, the vow is all about relationships. So think about it this way in terms of the vision. So the vision, if we are all born with a unique multidimensional vision and that vision is what guides us. So, no, I'm not talking about, you know, like purpose or like your job or your career or anything like that that's linear or like goals. You know, I'm not talking about anything that can you can check off a box So that's like not what I'm talking about in terms of the vision. The vision is something that guides you throughout your life. It's something that you know within your core. And so what's coming through for this is that the vision is a kind of contract. You know, the vision in itself is a vow. It's like the contract you have with yourself, which I think is really interesting. Because anytime that the vow has come into play, it actually came in a couple of Aura readings ago, and actually the vow and the fault line. Oh, perfect. I love that connection. So the vow and the fault line came in a couple of readings ago. I think it was in conjunction with like the shaman and the um, the one. So this is a little bit different. But in that reading, the fault line is the energy of redefining, shaking things up, but not, not just... Um, Shaking things up like in a small way, like small transformation, like it's similar to the storm in terms of, you know, bringing like huge sweeping change, you know, shaking, you know, bringing things in, bringing that change in from the foundation. I was doing something weird with my hands and I was like, wait a minute, they can't see that. So they don't know what I'm doing over here. Um, But that's what the fault line is. That's the energy of the fault line. Huge sweeping change from the ground up. And usually, the way that the fault line differs from the storm, because there are a couple of um, change transformation cards within this deck that point towards that kind of energy. The fault line is a change that you know is coming. You know, I've put out this metaphor before, I've used this metaphor before to explain the fault line, but it's kind of like, you know, if I didn't really have this when I was a kid because my parents did not let me do this kind of stuff we also didn't have any lakes or ponds. But if you were the kind of kid that lived in an area where a lake or a pond would kind of like freeze over and you could walk on it, you could skate on it, or better yet, a better example is in those movies, you know, when kids would be playing on a frozen pond and then you can kind of hear or feel the ice cracking and you have that anxiety of, oh my God, you know, are these kids going to fall through? You know, God forbid, etc., etc. That's the energy of the fault line. It's change that you know is coming. You're coming you're kind of walking on eggshells to make sure it doesn't but ice is going to break eventually so in the previous or reading episode we were looking at the fault line and the vow and the beautiful download that came through as a result of that was you know again we love looking at the vow we love looking at sacred contracts in terms of soulmates twin flames etc but what if you imagined, you know, you have a sacred contract with everyone and everything. In every possible life form, you have a sacred contract. So that was the first way in which, you know, we redefined the vow. And we're going to do it again today. And the way in which we're going to do it again today is paying more attention to the sacred contract that you have within yourself, which takes the form of the vision. And again, the vision is an energy that guides you, you know, so it's kind of, you know, when you just feel so connected to yourself and so aligned and you just, you're in that flow, you know what you're doing, you know, you're really, really connected to your, and when I say creativity, I mean like the creative forces within you, that is the vision, you know, that's how I feel right now. You know, when I'm doing this podcast, whenever I'm journaling, whenever I'm writing, That's how I feel. So for me, it's a feeling. And for some people, again, it's not always I'm careful about using the word feeling because for me, very clairsentient. I can feel um, it's a knowing sometimes. So that's actually a good point. The vision, you'll know you're in alignment with the vision, depending on how it is that you communicate with creation. So for me, very much. It's a knowing it's a feeling. Sometimes I can hear it. And that's how I'll know. And for some people, they see that they're in alignment or they uh, again, you can feel in alignment, know you're in alignment. I've seen people that can smell that they are in alignment. It's so, so cool. Um, They hear from their guides. You're in alignment. That's what this is. So it's that extra dimensional experience that's not 100 percent linear but back to, yes, back to the vision and the vow. I love these two together because I think it's so common again to think about the vow in terms of relationships with other life forms, which is cool. You know, we did a lot of breaking down and redefining in, you know, previous podcast episodes. And now we're, you know, breaking it down and redefining and looking at it again with yourself and res- with respect to your vision. And, Think about it this way. You can think about it in two ways. You know, you can think about it as in I have and it depends on your perspective and what makes the most sense to you. You can think about it in terms of I have a contract with myself, you know, that I feel as if I need to fulfill and I would love to look at, you know, the relationship within that contract. Or you could think of it as I have a contract with the spirit of this vision. And it just depends on your mind, your ego, how it is that you receive information. Both of those ways make sense. Or if none of those make sense to you, then come up with another way. But it's, you know, basically the energy of what promises have I made, you know, to myself to fulfill in this lifetime, if you believe in past parallel lives, all of that stuff. What promises have I made to myself to fulfill? You know, what am I not so much like what am I doing here in terms of like the existential dread, but literally what am I doing here? What am I doing here every single day? Am I la- am I allowing, you know, my vision to guide me? You know, paying attention to those sorts of questions is the energy of the vision and the vow. On the other side of the aura, we have the ocean and the mirror. And I really love these in conjunction with the vow and the vision. All right. So the ocean, I'm sure you've heard something along the lines of, you know, we're all a drop in ocean consciousness, et cetera, et cetera. That's one interpretation of the ocean. The one that's coming through right now is the ocean of your personal consciousness and the, you know, diving deeper and diving as deep as possible into your soul and into your spirit. So I believe episode 10 of this podcast, a similar download about the ocean came through in terms of embracing the unknown and knowing the unknown of your spirit. And what's really, really cool. Oh yeah, I really love that. So what's really, really cool about this is, you know, the deeper in which you know yourself and you know your spirit that enables you to know others with the same depth. So Where does that come from? We have the ocean in conjunction with the mirror. And for me, being grounded, that's always been a learning curve for me. And the mirror really helps me to get grounded in this third dimensional reality. And the reason I love the ocean and the mirror together is because it really speaks to, again, the depth to which you know yourself Two things. The depth to which you know yourself is the depth to which you can understand other people and look at other people and understand, even if it's, um, even if you don't know the details. Because in my practice, what I believe, you know, we can't necessarily know the exact third dimensional story, the third dimensional or even multi dimensional description. We can't translate that into complete words for other people's souls. Do you know what I mean? So we can know our own souls to that, you know, to that depth, which is amazing. But nobody else can know that. That's like why nobody else could ever tell you, you know, what your purpose is, you know, so that that's like a very cliche way of putting it. But it's true. You know, nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can tell you. Nobody else can know that like you can, because that again, like that would be kind of like somebody somehow being able to tell you what your vision is you know what that back to the vow and the vision you know what your vision is what your promise is to yourself what your contract is you know with yourself what your relationship like is like with yourself how could anybody ever possibly tell you about that you know that's something that only you know you know in your core however there's two things that are beautiful I feel like I keep saying that and then I go off on like million different tangents there are a lot of things that are beautiful in within the ocean and the mirror that combination in this aura and that is that like I said you might not be able to detail the depth of everybody else's soul you know and that's because that's not necessarily even your job you know that's not even that's like none of your business anyway Um, but you can know that it's there and you can appreciate that And I think that's very, very important is being able, you know, the deeper you go within yourself, the more you can appreciate when you look at other people, you know, so you can appreciate the multidimensionality, the depth and the complexity, you know, when you look at another person or when you look at an animal, you know, I believe that we all have souls, we all have spirits and all of those are equivalent, you know, so Even though we have different expressions and we interact with this world in different ways, you know, my soul is no more deep than like, or no more or less deep than any other life form, you know, plants, animals, spirits, you know, that don't necessarily have physical bodies. They're all made of love. So they're all equal in that way. So that's the first thing with the ocean and the mirror. And then there's something else that's coming through here with respect to those two cards and understanding that the deeper in which the deeper in which you go in your soul, the more you realize that we are all one and the same, you know. So once you kind of get past that surface level stuff, you know, once you kind of I feel like the top of the ocean, that's kind of like your personality, you know. Yeah, it's the surface, you know, it's what everybody sees on a day to day basis, what everybody interacts with. As you go deeper and deeper and deeper, you're getting more and more in touch with, you know, oh, perfect. That's the poet. Um, You're getting more and more in touch with, you know, what seems very close to your heart, what's very intimate and, you know, what's very, very much you in a multidimensional soul spirit way. You know, you get to know that as you go deeper and deeper and deeper into the ocean, as you get to know your soul What's interesting about that though is I feel like there's this threshold of where yeah you're you're so you know your soul on a very unique, very individual level because like I said the vision, we all have our own unique visions, none of them are the same, you know, and that's all very much that's personal, that's individualized, etc. but as you go deeper and deeper into the ocean, I Feel as if you find that you're actually not that different from everybody else. And that's where the mirror comes in. Because the mirror is the card of recognizing yourself within someone else. So it's not necessarily about like, oh, we're the same on a third dimensional level. Or, oh, we are even the same on a soul level. Because the soul has its own imprint, uh, blueprint, blueprint would be the better word. The soul has its own blueprint. The soul has its own vision. You know, that's what the vision is. And that's different from person to person. But in the darkest, you know, parts of the ocean, I feel like it's like we're all the same, you know? Once you kind of, if there were like a bottom, I mean, there is a bottom to the ocean. There is no bottom to your soul because your soul is infinitely loving, you know? But as you go deeper and deeper, you understand that the mission, that's what it is. So as the the vision is a multidimensional description of what your mission of love is. And so what's interesting about the ocean is, okay, if we were all either drops in the ocean or a section of the ocean, different parts of the ocean look different all around the world, you know? So they look very, very different, you know, around America. And then, you know, if you go to like Australia, (laughs) Australia, I don't know what that sound was. Australia. Um, If you go around Australia, uh, you get to see like the Great Barrier Reef and it's beautiful. And so on the surface, it looks very, very different in different parts of the world. There's all different kinds of species, you know, animals, uh, corals, all different forms of life. You know, so if we were each an area of the ocean, the closer we are to the surface, the more it looks different. And this is 100% a speculative metaphor because I have never even been scuba diving. I have asthma. So I've been told by every single scuba diving company that I just can't go. Um, But bear with me here. So within my metaphor, you know, or the context of what I'm saying here is that there are parts of the ocean that I know from, you know, watching documentaries where it's just so dark You know, that like you can't see without any sort of technological aid. You know, you need a bunch of crazy lights and all this really, really cool technology. But what I believe that points to is the deeper and deeper you go is you understand that the vision is just a multidimensional script description of whatever love you have to bring to the table. And that's what unites us all. So we're all, you know, in the ocean. We're all made of the same love. That love comes through in a very different multidimensional lens, aka the vision. That's what's different. That's fine. You know, we all have different ways of bringing love to the planet. And that is our vow, you know, going, swinging back up to the vow for where it is in the aura. However, it's all the same. And I believe that, you know, the mirror is here to show us to recognize that our visions again, even though you could describe them differently and they might feel different, it's kind of like they might feel different or you know what's interesting about that though? What if they actually felt the same? And this is where it kind of gets trippy because, you know, when I I can feel very, very clearly when I'm connected to my vision, I feel the love. But what's interesting about that is you can't really compare that to anybody else or to anything else rather or um, it's kind of like the age old question. You know, I've had friends ask me because I've been in love before. What is it like when you fall in love? Like, how do you know when you're in love with someone? And I'm. it's the most annoying answer ever. But it's just when you know, you know, you know. So but what if it would be very, very interesting? You know, what if when we are really, really in love, it is the same feeling? But you, no one would ever know because you can describe it and any words that you give, any labels that you attach, any experiences, it kind of doesn't do it justice, right? Like if you've been in love, you know, how do you explain that to another person? But I'm just saying it would be really, really cool if it was actually the same, you know, or in this context, the way in which I'm connected to my vision, if that were the same and, you know, for people that can feel their vision, if that feeling was the same. Just, you know, something to think about. Um, but back to the ocean in the mirror. Again, the ocean points to the deeper you go in, you know, pursuing your vision, taking a look at the vow, you know, the vision as in the promise you made to yourself. If you can understand that it is rooted in love, you can understand how everybody else's back to the mirror is also rooted in love and how you are all one in the same. So that's what I love, you know, in particular about the ocean in the mirror because it's all about realizing that despite what, however it is you want to describe your vision however it is you want to describe your soul your spirit you know there's so many beautiful poetic ways and the poet's right there um but there are so many beautiful poetic ways of describing the soul you know uh, a great example of this is a while ago i got um i received two readings and i usually don't do it this way um, but this was when I was like back exploring a bunch of different languages. So I usually like to space out readings just because, you know, if done really well, they can be a lot of information. you know, so if you've ever had one before, um, yeah, they could just be a lot. and it's it's a lot of love. It's a lot of information to soak in to integrate, so I usually like to space them out. It just so happened. I don't even know scheduling wise because the two, um, the two people that gave me the readings, you know, they're so insanely popular. Um, they were one day after they were right after one another. It was just like unavoidable for like the time frame that I wanted. So I ended up receiving them, you know, one after the other. And what I noticed about both of them was that I felt they were too, um, I mean, both of them involve shamanism. So I don't They're not two totally different languages, but they are two in the same vein, totally different languages, Um, which I know sounds annoying, but that they were very, very different, Um, very, very different experiences, um, different ways of describing myself. But I felt the familiarity, you know, so it's interesting because if you were they both awakened that feeling of love within me that I recognize from my vision. So that's the first thing that was really, really cool. And that's when I really understood that, you know, we're all we're definitely we're we're all mirrors for one another and we can all translate, you know, our visions into our own languages to reflect. Oh, actually, I love that. So, okay, yeah, the mirror and the vision together. So what happens during a reading is like if you had a reading with me or honestly anybody else, you know what they're doing, if it's truly coming from a channeled space of love, they're just translating your vision of love into their language to reflect back to you so you can, you know, understand it. And you'll know because the same way in which you connect to your vision, and that's what I was saying earlier, like if you feel your vision, if you can hear that you're on the right track, um, if you can see it. That's how you'll recognize it when somebody else reflects that back to you. You know, readings like this one, they are just a mirror. Someone's just putting up a mirror there. And again, even though uh, in traditional mirrors, you look at yourself, you look at your, refle- your reflection, and it's like it's a one-to-one image. And that's what sometimes, and that's why I love the mirror archetype as an archetype and not just like a story, because We're all mirrors for one another, even though we don't look the same way. We don't sound the same way. We don't receive information in the same way. That does not mean that we are not all mirrors for one another. And then I believe I was going to throw in the poet there. So the poet is there are a couple of cards in the deck that really that play around with liminal spaces and being in between. So the poet is a fine balance between the personal and the universal. And the poet is all about witness consciousness and it's about spreading the truth of love wherever you go. And that's what I was thinking about with the ocean. So the poet and the ocean together points to understanding and the vision, really, uh, I guess, and the vow too. they all connect, honestly. Um, but what the poet points to here in terms of the personal and universal, it's understanding the balance of, I have my own unique vision and I can describe that in X, Y, Z. And also, so can other people. They can reflect that back to me. And everybody is a beautiful guide as a teacher in that way, in terms of they can, you know, everybody is guiding you to your vision. And all you need to do is pay attention. And it's not just in reading, it's everywhere. You know, and and what you just need to know is how you connect to the vision to know, you know, how people are steering you. But everybody as a mirror is your compass, which is really, really cool. The poet is about paying attention to, number one, your vision and how that fits into the collective ocean. So I was saying, again, the vision, the poet and the ocean. The ocean is realizing, understanding that all visions come from the same source. They come from the same ocean of love, and they can be translated into infinite different ways for infinite different life forms. We all have a vision. That plant, over, my plant downstairs, has a vision. I have one. My parents, my friends, you know, their pets—they all have visions. You know, which is what makes this world really, really cool. And so, the poet being the liminal space between the personal and the universal is not only understanding that your personal vision is a translation of that love of that collective energy, but also paying attention to as much as you can. And this goes really, really well with the fault line and redefining the vow, paying attention to how your vision on a daily basis is guiding you And how you can serve as a mirror for other people and guide them to their other visions and how that dance and how that puzzle all comes together. I said that kind of quickly, so I will kind of say it again in different words. So the poet is paying attention to your personal vision and how your vision is guiding you, but also how you can do your part in embodying the mirror to guide other people to their vision. And like I said, the poet is witness. It's very much like a witness card. You know, it's the truth of love card. And the poet is a special card in that it allows you to pay attention to all of these things at once. And that's what I was talking about with witness consciousness. So being aware of your personal vision, how it is, guide, how it is guiding you, you know, in the moment, and how you can use your vision, your love, your truth of love, to guide everybody else home too, and to see how it fits in this universal puzzle as an expression of love. That's an art, okay? Doing that dance and being so aware and being so present, that's not something that's not necessary. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it is easy for you. I, I have no idea. I don't really know you like that, but that's something that you just have to be incredibly present and incredibly aware to achieve. And what's also interesting about the poet here, and this is where another layer comes in. So I believe I said it on the episode that will have been released actually today. Um, The beautiful thing about learning your own language, as I've done with the archetypes and building your own healing practices, you can do literally whatever you want. And you can add on layers of interpretation and invite in, you know, the unseen, you know, your unseen guides to bring in unseen elements to your practice. So the poet is actually one of the key cards for one of my spirit babies. And so it brings, so we have this added layer of the story. So this is my first, my first one. And actually this, this spirit baby was the one for a while, the only one I was aware of because it was the only, and at the time, like I was still learning, how do I receive my vision? How do I receive downloads? You know, all of that good stuff. Um, but the story of this spirit baby has a lot to do with the collective and how we perceive the collective and it's where, and from this spirit baby is how I understand, you know, that entire world and, Basically, what it points to is honoring, you know, the vow, honoring the vision within this context. It's really about honoring the vision, the sacred vision within one another, you know, and again, it it is that energy of how can we guide one another home and how can we take care of one another? You know, that's been a big thing for me and unbeknownst to me, you know, it came through this you know this guide of mine that i feel so close to my biggest thing you know beyond auras beyond spirit babies beyond like soulmates contracts whatever i'm really really about how can we care for one another better always just and it's so simple to me but it means a lot to me um is just how can we care for one another in a better way than we are now, because I feel like that's what we need the most. You know, there are so many moments and my, I'm such a sensitive person. You know, I've always been that way. You know, I've tried to not be that way, but I will like cry over anything. There used to be a period of my time of my life where I just did not cry because I really just, I was like, sensitivity is so weak. I don't want to be sensitive. And now I'll just like, I'll cry whenever. Um, But what my sensitivity has done for me is really understand, you know, and this is more of like the venom. So that's like another conversation, but that is actually a key. The venom and all everything I'm talking about is actually within my contract, you know, with my spirit babies, which is interesting um, to take a look at. But all of this is to say that sensitivity, understanding where the venom is in the collective and, you know, what it is that we need to heal. You know, I feel all of that. And that's why just caring for one another is more important, is just so, so important. But this is a little bit different. That's in terms of, you know, the collective, you know, like the cycle of pain, the cycle of violence, that's like in the collective consciousness. This is more in terms of, again, how can we serve as a mirror for other people's visions? You know, how can we care? I love this. How can we care for one another? How can we nurture one another for, you know, the unique medicine that we have to offer? Okay. So I believe I said earlier in the, in this episode that usually an aura is like six cards and it usually is, but then sometimes two more pop out just with the way that I shuffle. So we actually have two more cards. So, Just a little quick recap before we add those in, but they've kind of already been added in. We have the vow, the vision, the fault line, which again, the fault line just brings in this energy of, you know, let's shake it up a bit, which I love. And then we have the poet. So writing between the personal and the universal and being aware of all of these energies at once and how we all connect. We have the ocean. We're all a part of the ocean. We all come from love. The ocean is my favorite I believe the ocean is synonymous with source. So that's my favorite visual. That's a better way of saying it. The ocean is a great visual for source energy, you know, understanding. And that's probably why so many people say, oh, we're all drops in ocean consciousness because it's like the easiest one for our mind to understand. You know, we all come from the same ocean of love. Thus, we are all a mirror for one another. Now we have Kairos and the nectar. So I don't believe uh, the nectar's shown up in an aura healing or any reading on this podcast yet, Um, but the nectar is, it just reminds me of sweet healing, you know, like honey, you know? So a very, very mundane example, you know, when I'm just like having a day, my favorite thing to do is just curl up in my bed and have mint tea with like splash of milk and some honey And that's like my favorite like dessert ever. That's my favorite like comfort thing that just makes me feel better. You know, so if you have like a comfort food thing, I guess that's what this would be. Um, But I just included that one because that's literally my comfort. That's like I just feel so much better. I feel like cozy and it has like honey. But so the nectar is the sweet medicine card. It is the healing card. And I love that in conjunction with the vision because it, it just it provides like a nice dimension to the vision, a nice flavor of, you know, yes, pay attention to your vision, but also what sweet healing, what sweet medicine do you have to offer to the world? And the other reason I love that in conjunction with the vision is because it is also the card where the shadow is just being too rigid in what it means to heal and you know what healing means and that goes really really well with the healer but that's something else for another time but that's what the nectar is you know it's just finding and paying attention to your not and this goes two ways so it's the sweet because it's on the you know what because it's on the divine masculine side of the aura we'll pay attention to that but in general just so you know the nectar is yes you know, paying attention to how can you heal yourself um, if it were on the divine feminine side. So that would be for me just paying attention to, you know, what makes you feel loved? What makes you feel good? What makes you feel comforted? So my mint tea with a splash of milk and honey that makes me feel good. So does being in a garden. I really, really love gardens. I really, really love forests. I know how cliche that sounds in this day and age, but it just, it genuinely makes me feel better. So that's something else I'll do. You know, if I'm having a day I'll just walk, you know, to the park um, and go to a garden and sit there. And then I feel better. I just feel reset. However, the nectar is on the divine masculine side. So the just so you know, the vision, the poet and the mirror, as well as the nectar are all the divine masculine side. And then the vow, the fault line, the ocean and Kairos, which we'll get to in a minute. Those are all the divine feminine side. And the divine masculine, that's how we can give. So the nectar with the vision and the divine masculine is what sweet, unique medicine do you have to offer? And then the poet, you know, going back to, you know, again, my spirit, baby, a huge theme with the first one uh, name is care. Their name is care. I, I just I don't know yet what their genders are going to be. So I always say they weird tidbit. Um, care is all about nurturing and caring for one another. Surprise, surprise. That's why their name is care. Um, that points to, again, nurturing your own vision. And also what can you do to nurture the vision within other people and nurture, you know, and give your own sweet medicine, your own sweet, unique medicine and nurture that and foster that in other people. You know, I feel like that's like a huge part of really taking care of one another is, you know, the space holding aspect and the saying, you know, like, how is it that I can hold space for you so that way you can, you know, develop your own way of healing? Because, again, the shadow of the nectar is too much rigidity, you know, too non-flexibility. And I talked about this in other podcasts and I'll talk about it again. It was definitely with the vision. The vision is beautiful because it, it speaks to bringing back the, again, it the vision, our personal vision, it's infinitely unique, infinitely complex. You know, there are no two visions alike. So the nectar in combination with the vision is really paying attention to your unique healing and also just bringing back the diversity and healing. You know, we have so many people doing so many wonderful things but i was literally thinking about this last night you know i was like how can we just bring out you know different forms of healing technology i would just i would love to see it you know the people that i really really admire they had teachers you know and they had people to care for them and to nurture them but they they just learned how to find their own unique offering you know their own unique way of healing and their own medicine oh and you know what speaking of the nectar and you know healing yourself because I was talking about the divine masculine and feminine aspects but they go really well together here just in that pay attention I I know I was talking about gardens and tea earlier um (laughs) those are just like very very simple examples but seriously paying attention to you know those simple examples and then you know, what genuinely just makes you feel energized, you know, what makes you feel full of love, chances are, however you receive that medicine is also what you're meant to give. So um, for me, you know, beyond the tea in the gardens and, you know, whatever else, this really helps me, you know, accessing my vision, um, accessing this, you know, this specific expression of me uh, talking Yeah, which would be just like an easier way to say it. Um, That heals me, you know. So I, for years, had a really, really strong journaling practice. And whenever I would feel really, really, really off, like beyond what a cup of tea could ever, you know, fix, um, just journaling out loud was the most amazing thing for me. And I would literally, the problem dissolved. Whatever it is that I was worried about, if I just journaled and, you know, let my voice come through, it was all good. You know, by the end of the time, sometimes it would take like an hour. Sometimes it would take, uh, like four hours, you know, it would depend, but, um, that's, that's what's so interesting about the nectar is sometimes. And like I said, you know, a cup of tea is not for everybody. So I don't know, Um, I wouldn't say like, just because I love tea, that means I'm going to open up my own tea shop and that's how I'm going to heal people. But for some people that works, you know, but I have, but, and that's what, that's where the vision comes in because, you know, while like a nice warm cup of mint tea feels nice in my body, it's not the same as the power of healing that comes through when I set my voice free. You know, and chances are, you know, if you are really, it's the kind of healing that you receive when you are connected to the vision that is this, that is the contract, that is the vow that we want to foster here. That's the relationship that we want to nurture within ourselves. Again, the poet, you know, in terms of the personal and universal, we want to nurture this within ourselves and then do whatever we can to also nurture this within other people. So it's no surprise to me that, um, oh, you know what? Here's like a really good example. So when I first started readings, I experimented a bit, you know, with people. So I started out by writing them. Okay. And I love writing. So I thought that was a good place to start. And this is where the nectar comes in. And so... Going back to the poet a little bit, you know, with the personal and the universal, I loved writing for myself. So I thought in terms of readings, writing for other people would work. And it did. It was like, okay, you know, I was in those stages of, you know, testing out my format, you know, really building my healing practice, you know, identifying what it is I wanted to do, how I wanted to express myself, the form, you know, it was in that very, very experimental stage. Still is. I think about that all the time, you know, about how I can shift my healing practice, you know, what it is that I need to do, um, et cetera, et cetera. Long story short, you know, I was like, writing healed me, you know, at a certain level. Can I use that, you know, to heal other people? And the writing was like, okay. Okay. So again, I was asking for feedback and they were like, I liked it. Like, this was really, this was really cool. I could feel the love coming through. You know, it was all good feedback. Then one day I was, you know, I think it was actually probably the same day, but I tried it out the next day. I thought, or just what came through was, I think I'm meant to be speaking. And while my writing in that way is like, it's like strong enough, I was like, I think this could be a lot more powerful if I just speak. Let's just try that. And I was really apprehensive about it at first. I, Because for me, that's a lot more vulnerable, you know? And that's another, you know, part of this aura is whatever is more, like, the more vulnerable you can go, the deeper you can go into the ocean, you know, you're really hitting the vision there. So writing for me, in a lot of ways, is a lot less vulnerable than speaking, you know? Because writing, you know, whenever I write on my blog... I can edit. I can do whatever I want um, with speaking. There's only so much editing that you can do. It's just it's it's just very, very different. And I really I really don't edit. If you can't if you can tell, I really don't edit at all. You know, besides like the intro, outro music. And if I just if I have like a really crazy um, blip during an episode, then I'll just like edit that out. Or if there's like a phone sound that pops out of nowhere and then, yeah, I'll do that. Um, otherwise, I try and keep it as raw as possible. And that's very, very vulnerable for me. However, that pays off. So like I said earlier, you know, writing, it does heal me. But like for me, speaking takes it to another level. So when I first when I gave my first spoken reading, I was so nervous because I was really, really vulnerable. And I was like, ugh, you know, um, the feedback was glowing. Paragraphs and paragraphs of like beautiful, beautiful feedback. And I was like, see, that's what you get for actually really, really opening up here. And there is a correlation, though. Like I said, writing heals me. But, you know, speaking heals me in a way that takes it to another level, going back to the nectar. So it doesn't surprise me that when giving, you know, of what heals me, giving of my nectar that, you know, yeah, writing did the job got the job done, but I want to do more than that. I want to do more than just get the job done. So speaking took it to the next level. And so that's what you need to pay attention to with the nectar is, you know, all of those natural healing practices, you know, all what gives you medicine in your life, paying attention to that, paying attention to the level to which, you know, they bring you that healing. And if it's on like a vision level, speaking and writing to some extent, but mainly speaking, heals me on the level of the vision. Like, I feel connected to my vision after speaking. I don't feel connected to my vision necessarily after getting a cup of tea. Sometimes actually going to the garden, I do. But I can't necessarily just hand someone a garden, you know? Um. So that's what those two cards are. You know, if there is healing happening on the level of, you know, after you know, I'm engaging with the nectar or an expression of the nectar. I feel more connected to my vision. That's what you need to be offering and paying and really paying attention to that, paying attention to, you know, how you feel connected. You know, what makes you feel connected? What makes you feel disconnected? That's really important to go back to the poet in the mirror, because once you have that, you know, personal side down pat, you need to be ready to reveal it within other people. And that's where the mirror comes in on. So the, again, the vision, the poet, the mirror, and the nectar, all the divine masculine line. So how there is, you know, fostering and nurturing your own nectar, your own medicine, and your own vision on the level of the vision within yourself. But really in this aura, it's all about, you know, how once you kind of reach that level where you can do that for yourself, then also how can you do it within other people, So taking the personal experiences and translating them into universal experiences and also with the mirror and the poet, understanding that when you do that, you're really doing it for yourself. You know, everybody going back to the ocean, everybody is an expression of love in another body through another lens. That's what the vision is. You know, you are your vision. You know, you are the one guiding you. So whether you want to believe that, you know, the vision is, you know, God, source, spirit, creation. Or your guides, which are expressions of love and creation, or you want to believe that the vision is just your true self guiding you. Great. Whatever, however it is you want to word that is great. You know, I keep saying great, but it is. It's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. Um, But then there's taking that one step further and understanding with the mirror that when you nurture it within yourself, you're also nurturing it within other people simultaneously. And that's where the poet comes back in, you know, in the liminal realm. Because what's also interesting about that and all of these cards that, you know, belong in liminal. I mean, they're all from, you know, the imaginal space is a liminal space in nature. In nature, However, the poet and other cards, select cards, have the liminal as a part of their story. So the liminal space is just in between. So like I said, the poet is in between the personal and the universal. You know, it contains both. So it's, and this is, oh, perfect. This is where Kairos comes in. So Kairos, and this is definitely better understood depending on your understanding of time. So Kairos is the card of mythic time. It is time beyond the clock. It is quantum time. You know, so it's not just linear time. So the poet from a linear perspective, you would think, and oh, this goes perfectly with the ocean and the mirror too, but I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself so I don't lose you here. <laughs> um. All right. So yeah, back to the poet in time. So the poet from a linear perspective is, you know, you figure out the personal and then you translate that to the universal, but it has to go personal first, then universal, or then you know, back from universal to the personal. No, 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 no. Okay. The poet isn't within, you know, the liminal realm, the in-between. That's where Kairos comes in, you know? So it, this is the realm of time beyond the clock. There is no time, you know, within the poet. So the, since the poet is between the personal and the universal experiences, it's all happening at the same time. So, as you're learning about your personal medicine the nectar on the level of the vision and you're learning more about your medicine and you're learning about the vision you're at the same time through the poet the poet's kind of like a bridge the bridge is one of also one of those liminal space cards in between space cards you're also revealing that within other people and nurturing it and you can only nurture people to the depth to which you can nurture yourself so all of this everything is happening simultaneously so whenever kairos shows up in a spread whenever mythic time shows up in a spread usually points out points out to me that everything's happening at the same time like this like none of them are really a linear story not usually sometimes there's a sometimes there is a flow you know to the aura and the messages in the aura and you know You start with one, but it's all cyclical anyway. You know, it all comes back around and they all flow together. Um, When Kairos specifically shows up in the aura, it's to say this is all happening at the same time. There is no time here, you know, in the way that you think it is. So kind of like buckle up, you know, and be aware of what's happening. So as you're getting to know, you know, your own personal, unique, sweet medicine, as you're getting to know your vision, You are holding space for the vision of other people, you know, whenever you interact with them. So it's not a linear thing. It just it all happens at the same time. And that's why, again, the ocean in the mirror is important because you can only care for other people to the extent that you can care for yourself. You know, we've all heard that before. So you can only hold space for the vision and the medicine of other people as much as you can to the depth. The ocean for which you know your own soul again the ocean yourself and that is mirrored you know within the ocean so for instance uh oh back to the back to the readings i was saying mirrored each other earlier they mirror each other in archetypal energy you know so like i said the one of the readings i got was completely different from the other but they the energy was exactly the same the love within them exactly the same different forms but exactly the same again it was exactly the same, and oh, I said that went one too many times, and I was just like, oh, I kind of lost my channel there. Um, anywho, got it back. So those two readings were absolutely brilliant because, like I said earlier, those people that I'm thinking of, they are amazing space holders because, yes, they have had teachers, but they have taken the time to go so deep within their own practices that it looks nothing like anybody else, okay? They have studied their own visions, and so they can see, they can reflect back the mirror. They can reflect back the depth, the ocean of my soul within me through their readings because they have gone there themselves, you know? It's kind of like how I could tell you, like like I said earlier, yeah, I could tell you nothing, about what's at the bottom of the ocean or what it looks like, because I've never seen it because nobody will let me go scuba diving, but you know, that's okay. I just, I haven't seen it myself, so I can't say anything. It's the same, you know, with understanding your soul, understanding your vision, understanding your medicine. If people do not understand that within themselves, they can't say anything to you. You know, they can't tell you anything about, you know, exploring it, what that may or may not look like for them they can't do much for you you know it's like if they don't know if they don't know anything about themselves they, that's what they're reflecting back to you is that they really you know don't know much about themselves so that's why so the ocean and the mirror is in the collective part of the aura and it's not only about you know seeing yourself in the collective because i mean that's like the surface level definition but in terms of serving the collective you need to go as deep as possible you know and that's kind of like that's the beauty of you know the vision the vow and the vision that's in the personal part of the aura so that's knowing your unique sacred contract that's knowing your unique vision okay that's in the personal part the way the personal connects to the collective part is if you don't do that it by Investigating and what's in, I mean, any card can show up in any part of the aura. The vision and the vow in this context, they are very, very, you know, personal, intimate cards. So, what how that connects to the ocean and the mirror in the collective part of the aura is understanding that you serve the collective by knowing your vision and knowing, you know, your sacred contract with your vision, with yourself in the deepest, most individualized, most unique way possible. That helps you serve the ocean. Serve the ocean. Well, the ocean is the collective, but serve the collective and serve as a mirror for the collective. Is you taking responsibility for your own vision, for your own sacred contract. So the vow is in the divine feminine part. So that's receiving yourself as the sacred contract And then the vision is in the divine masculine part. So pursuing your vision, that's the personal part of the aura. And that allows you to really receive, you know, your part, divine feminine, the ocean in the collective ocean and serve divine masculine as the mirror. Okay. And then in between in the shared part of the aura is where the fault line and the poet comes in. And of course, you know the poet is in between, you know, the personal and the universal. The fault line in the poet point to, you know, how you share the space, so and how you share yourself authentically and deeply with other people. So the fault line, because I feel like it hasn't gotten enough attention, um, within the shared space, is again, it's just like recognizing that element of like, let's create some change here, let's shake it up a little bit. And let's shake up the way in which, yeah, you know, in terms of sharing space, that's what it is. You know, it's coming in to tell us we need to shake up how we share space. So what does that mean? And then in conjunction with the poet. So the fault line, how can we shake up how we share space? Sorry, repeated that like three times. But the information just like comes through so quickly. Um, So shaking up how we share space in connecting you know, our personal visions, our sacred contracts with the collective. And that's basically what the poet is. You know, the poet is how we interact with the personal and the universal at the same time. And the fault line is saying we can shake that up. We can shake up, you know, how we interact with the personal and the universal by taking a look at our visions, taking a look at our sacred contracts and seeing, you know, their place in the collective and how we can serve as mirrors for the collective. You know, so that's how we have the personal shared And collective aspects of the aura and then of course like I said earlier with Kairos all of this is happening it's a flow and it's all happening in one moment you know so this is not like a sort of kind of like a let me sort out my vision and let me figure out what that is and then I can be a mirror no it's as you're figuring that out as you're exploring your own unique medicine that is being reflected in the collective so it's not, and what I love about that actually is it erases this myth that you need it to be perfect, okay? There is, in my ego, okay, there is like a perfectionist, you know, dimension there. It is, ugh, so frustrating. Um, but yeah, sometimes I can like, it just sweeps over me and that perfectionism just comes in. And that's what Kairos heals, you know? Kairos is like the healing anecdote to that perfectionalism by acknowledging this is all meant to be happening at the same time. So you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to like find your nectar, find your medicine, really and fully comprehend your vision because your vision is like the ocean, you know? Your vision, it's not something that you can nail down. And then like, be like, I understand this. And then it's over. No, it's constantly guiding you. Kind of like the vision is a guide in the same way that mythic time is a guide, you know? So it's not quite like, let me figure out the vision and then let me serve the collective. And that's what the poet is. You know, the poet in Kairos, the poet is understanding. No, as you fine tune your vision, as you get to know your vision and as you go deeper and deeper, you are simultaneously, you know, the mirror for everybody else in the collective, you know, that you don't like get to be, you know, you're always, you know, you're always you and you're always a part of the collective. You're always, you know, here within your personal perspective, you know, you're living your personal life. That doesn't take away from the fact that you are still a part of this collective universal family. And so the poet is mastering both. And so that's why I love, again, the poet, Uh, represents my spirit baby. So it's really about, you know, caring for yourself and caring for the collective at the same time. And how you, the more you learn to really deeply care and love for yourself, that deepens your capacity to care and love for other people. And that's reflected in your relationships with other people. So the more I can, just again, the more I can care for myself, the more I can care for other people. And that all happens at the same time. All right. So I think, believe that's about it for this aura here. I think we nailed pretty much everything that we needed to nail all of the different ways in which we can, you know, look at these cards. Um but yeah, just you know, always I'm always thinking about, you know, my vow, my vision. You know, I love the vow in terms of paying more attention to the vow that you have with yourself. And again, the poet just taking the time to understand that, you know, your vow and your vision, because it comes from the ocean of love and it is inherently within the collective, the more you know your own vision, the more you are serving the collective universal family and vice versa, you know? So, the again, the mirror is really, really useful in—and this would be more if it were on the divine feminine side, but just, like, this is just a good example. The mirror also— goes both ways in reflecting back, you know, in terms of how you interact with other people, how you care for other people, that reveals how deep you've gone in your vision and how you can push yourself to go deeper. So with that, we are gonna close out the same way we came in and we're gonna take a couple of deep breaths, um, say thank you just for all the guidance and the wisdom, um, silently in your own head. The last time I did that, the first couple of episodes, I did it out loud and Now I just, it's just silent just because, you know, you say thank you in your own way. So we're going to do that now. I always believe it's beautiful just to take a moment, say thank you, say thank you for, you know, all the wisdom and the love and, you know, it's asked always be guided to see how we can spread more. Otherwise, I enjoyed this and sharing space with you. Thank you so much for listening. If you could rate, review, subscribe, that would mean so much to me. Honestly, you listening means so much to me. This is just in terms of, you know, remembering that this is a podcast and that's really, really important in terms of podcasting. Otherwise, I will talk to you soon.